Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. The free will to choose between good and evil is like riding a bucking bronco. Sooner or later, it's going to hurt. We can blame it on Eve for eating from the tree of good and evil when the dragon threatened her. But we should not forget that Adam was right there and did not stand up to defend her. Now they had chosen together the crooked path. The Romans perfected crucifixion for 500 years until it was abolished by Constantine in the 4th century. Crucifixion left their victim to hang until their eventual death, which usually occurred somewhere between 6 hours and 4 days. Romans used this form of execution as a means of producing social conformity, allowing the bodies of the condemned to remain on crosses for many days. Crosses lined the roads from Rome to Capua. Often people condemned to crucifixion were scourged beforehand. A person was stripped naked, tied to a post, and then flogged across the back, butt, and legs, typically halting when the victim was near death. The condemned person carried the crossbeam to the execution site. Wood was scarce, and the vertical pole was kept stationary and used repeatedly. At the crucifixion site, the outstretched arms and the crossbeam were then nailed firmly to it. The crossbeam was then raised high against the upright shaft and fastened to it about 9 to 12 feet from the ground. The feet were nailed to the upright part of the crucifix so that the knees were bent at around 45 degrees. After effects of the scourging, hemorrhaging, and dehydration caused hypovolemic shock and pain, impairment of respiratory movement was caused by the difficulty in extending the legs and body for the chest to breathe. Death was commonly precipitated by cardiac arrest. The attending Roman guards could only leave the site after the victim had died, so they were known to precipitate death by certain means. The deliberate fracturing of the leg bones with an iron club, stabbing the victim in the heart, sharp blows to the front of the chest, or a smoking fire built at the foot of the cross to asphyxiate the victim. At nine o'clock in the morning, they brought Jesus to the place of execution. He was stripped of his clothing and his hands were nailed to the crossbeam. Lifted up, his feet were nailed to the upright beam. His raw skin left from the scourging rubbed on the splintered wood. Above him at the top of the cross was placed the inscription stating his crime of professing to be king of the Jews. The soldiers divided his garments and cast lots for his seamless robe. Various onlookers taunted him. Jesus said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. At noon, darkness fell over the land for about three hours, as all looked about this eerily moment in time. Jesus looked down at his mother and spoke the words said when a child is born. Woman, behold your son, speaking of the Apostle John. To the Apostle, Jesus said, Behold your mother. In this macabre setting, new life was actually beginning. Then Jesus said, I thirst. But was it souls that Jesus truly thirsted for? New life of the redeemed. The Roman centurion took a cluster of hyssop, dipped it in sour wine, and wiped the mouth of Jesus with it. Moses writes in Exodus 12, 23 Take a cluster of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and brush the blood on the top and sides of the door mantle. So the Lord will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. And when Jesus had received the wine, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The earth shook, 
and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and nearby rocks were split in half. The Roman centurion, standing in front of the cross, upon hearing Christ cry his last breath out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, Father, why have you forsaken me? said, Truly this was God's Son. Crucified on either side of Jesus were two convicted thieves, one who had asked Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom. The second one chose not to. The soldiers dispatched both thieves at eventide by breaking their legs. The soldiers found Jesus already dead, but to be certain one of them drove a spear into his side from which poured blood and water. He was taken down before sunset in deference to Jewish custom and buried in a rock-hewn tomb. As recorded in history by Christian and non-Christian historians, Jesus rose from the dead three days later. This Jesus, God incarnate to the Holy Trinity, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, suffered this death for you and for me, rose to life that we might rise after our earthly bodies perish. The good thief and the Roman centurion are the first unlikely pair of new souls for heaven. But isn't that just like Jesus? As Oswald Chambers said, he uses whom he chooses. But then you have to understand suffering is something as natural to life as breathing. If God incarnate entered this crooked world, had to suffer in order to redeem us, why wouldn't we also have to suffer pain? through trials, shapes of clay, which only God understands. If one knows love, then one knows suffering, because love is willing the good of the other for the sake of the other, thus denying oneself in the process. And this kind of pain will take you down as thin as frog fur on a hot July day. C.S. Lewis writes, If your argument against God is that the universe is cruel and unjust, you need to ask how this idea of just and unjust came about for you. A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What were you comparing this universe with when you called it unjust and crooked? If the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Therefore, if life has no hope, we should never have found out that life has no hope. Christ came into the world at a time when living was real hard, and he suffered dying a nasty death. And he was raised to life again, and we have the free will to believe it so. This life will eventually buck us off, and we have the choice to spend eternity in heaven or choose to be like the second thief and choose not to. Peter tells us, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. This is the straight line and how we know there is hope. Ain't it so? This is Getting Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum.